Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Buddham Dhammang Sangham Namasami. Our friends in the Dattavivaka Sutta, there's a summary uh, given at the beginning uh, which uh, mentions uh, the uh, six elements, uh, the six uh, bases of contact, the 18 kinds of mental exploration, and uh, the four aditanas, which is uh, Bhikkhubodhi translates as the four foundations, but uh, that uh, uh, creates a confusion with the four foundations of mindfulness. Uh, some other translations have it as four resolutions. Uh, and the four foundations of mindfulness are the root word is upatthana, and in the sutta the root word is aditthana. Uh, the four aditanas are uh, that um, one should not neglect wisdom. Uh, that non-neglect is um, the Pali word apamato. Uh, so one one should be uh, heedful of wisdom. Um, that uh, heedfulness or non-neglect is uh, in part a kind of a close relative to mindfulness. And when one is practicing right mindfulness, one remembers to stay awake. And one remembers to um, continuously keep the mind uh, uh, turned on inwards uh, towards the uh, objects of mindfulness uh, and not to be uh, getting lost in thought. So one has to be heedful in order to be mindful. Um, so then uh, one should be heedful in not neglecting wisdom. Uh, and then, um, um, secondly, uh, one should uh, uh, protect uh, uh, the truth. Uh, uh, one should uh, um, uh, cultivate uh, relinquishment and one should uh, uh, develop peace so that uh, uh, Wisdom, uh, truth, relinquishment, and peace are the four. Um, that's the the largest outline. Is those four points, and then within that large outline, uh, the um, contemplation of the um, uh, six elements, the six basis of contact and the 18 kinds of mental exploration all falls under the first heading, the heading of uh, um, not neglecting wisdom. In uh, many other places, when the elements are mentioned, uh, they're given in terms of the four uh, material elements. Uh, sometimes it's classified um, 
One could think of that a, a person consists of nama rupa, name and form, or mentality and materiality, and then the um, uh, materiality is divided into the four elements, um, the earth, water, uh, fire, and air elements. Um, however, in this sutta, it's given six, so there's added to the four uh, the element of uh, uh, space and uh, consciousness. So then, um, it's encompassing both mentality and materiality are encompassed within that list of elements. And it would be more, I guess we could say, very um, fundamental characteristics of the world which one can experience or characteristics of the world which one can cognize. How do we cognize? How do we experience? Well, we experience through um, the uh, six senses. And I'm uh, thinking that it's uh, for that reason that uh, the, the Buddha mentions the uh, six uh, elements and then he explains the six bases and the 18 kinds of exploration and then he loops back again to the six elements so it's my belief then that uh, uh, developing a um, um, understanding or uh, experience of uh, how how these uh, uh, six sense bases and the um, kinds of the 18 mental explorations, that that's a preliminary work uh, that ought to be done before uh, turning to investigating the elements. So the... Um, I is um, representing the seeing faculty uh, is uh, able to uh, is the gateway uh, for experiencing visual objects uh, the ear is the gateway for experiencing uh, uh, sounds the uh, Nose is the gateway for experiencing smells. Um, the mouth or the taste faculty is the gateway for experiencing taste. And the um, uh, body is the gateway for experiencing uh, tactile uh, objects. And the uh, mind is the gateway for experiencing mental objects. Um, when we experience a thing in the world, uh, it's um, uh, very often that we're experiencing several different senses. So you could uh, um, say if you're um, uh, cooking, you, you would be aware of what the 
the food looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like, how it tastes. Um, uh, I guess there's a certain sound of cooking, maybe it'll be popcorn or something. And, um, and so then, um, the, one of the functions of the mind as a sense gate is that it um, is uh, integrating um, uh, several of the other gateways into an idea or into a, a perception. It's also true that the, uh, in the absence of any um, thing happening just in the present moment that's impinging on one of the other sense gates, that uh, through memory or imagination, the mind is able to um, bring up a uh, kind of a replica of a visual object or a smell or something else. And it's also true that there are some uh, phenomena that are not uh, particularly uh, characterized in any clear way by um, something that can come through the the five physical senses. Uh, If you say, uh, for example, um, uh, justice, uh, one could experience justice and recognize it. And it would even be possible that uh, somebody could have a a visual um, kind of image that uh, represents for them what justice is. Um, But it's it's also um, likely that my visual image for justice might be different than somebody else's might be completely different visual images, but we're actually pointing to the same uh, concept. So then uh, the mind is able to uh, experience and cognize uh, uh, um, realities that are not uh, simple um, uh, objects and coming into the other five senses. So one way in uh, meditation to um, bring the uh, practice into the present moment and to uh, get away from uh, uh, being lost in the past and future, or being uh, lost in various kinds of preoccupations and proliferations, uh, being uh, lost in fabrications, and to uh, come into uh, contact with uh, reality, with the actuality, is to um, uh, do the, the practice of, of just uh, holding the attention at um, the, especially the five physical senses, or even uh, choosing one and having a session of meditation where we're just... Um, looking to uh, be aware of any impingement coming through um, the sound of the ear gate and our, uh, or whatever comes into our, our senses trying to um, have a, a special uh, intention to notice which sense is it, is it coming through primarily.
And that also does include the mental uh, sense gate, uh, if one is able to notice the arising of an idea, a concept, or a mental object, um, uh, apart from the uh, further um, uh, processing that's happening in, in mentality as we get involved with uh, perceptions and uh, forming intentions and different kinds of proliferations and so forth. Uh, it's the uh, next step that's said about the 18 kinds of um, mental exploration uh, that's uh, quite uh, unique in this uh, sutta. Uh, that seems to me that's um, potentially very fruitful in um, uh, putting uh, the the kind of the basis of the groundwork uh, for what's uh, what we're trying to accomplish in the or what's being what's being taught in the Dr. Vipaka Sutta. Um, this sutta is not um, a preliminary practice. It's a right from the very get go. It's an insight practice. Uh, the Buddha does, is not giving um, Pukasati lessons on how to um, look after his morality, um, how to uh, let go of the hindrances, and, and so forth. Uh, so this is a, a student who's uh, not needing that uh, preliminary um, work and is, is able to just kind of be uh, pulled rather up abruptly into this realm of, of insight. Um, seeing the uh, six uh, sense gates uh, in uh, Dhamma terms, of course, any, there's anything that we can experience can be uh, looked at in terms of impermanence, um, unsatisfactoriness, and non-self. It's especially true that uh, in the uh, uh, Satipatthana Sutta, uh, the senses, the ayatanas, are given, um, I think, in terms of the suffering that arises from that. Um, it's uh, in the uh, part of the Satipatthana where they're talking about the um, uh, contemplation of the, the fruits, uh, the ayatanas, uh, one uh, experiences the, uh, the sense gate and the... Um, fetter that arises from that, and then the arising the existence and the cessation of the fetter that arises from the sense gate. In the Giridananda Sutta, the uh, sense gates are mentioned in terms of um, impermanence. It does seem to me that in, in the uh, dependent origination, uh, the sense gates are in terms of 
uh, contact in Vedana. So, so definitely in terms of the uh, kind of like rushing towards towards Vedana. And this is where we get into the 18 kinds of mental exploration. Uh, it said that based on um, a visual, or based on based on the eye, or based on a visual experience, uh, the mind explores objects that are supportive of joy, are supportive of grief, are supportive of equanimity. Um, the Pali words for joy, grief, and equanimity are uh, somanasa, domanasa, and upeka. Uh, it might be a little bit more clear to um, translate joy and grief as being a mental pleasant feeling and a mental unpleasant feeling. Um, so, when they say um, sukha samanasa is a pair, in that case sukha uh, means um, a physical um, um, uh, pleasure or happiness, and samanasa means uh, mental pleasure or happiness. Uh, dukkha is, in that when it's dukkha domanasa as a pair, then the dukkha means um, uh, physical pain or physical uh, suffering and dominasa means mental uh, pain or mental suffering or mental dissatisfaction. Uh, when they're not in a pair, dukkha encompasses all kinds of unsatis- dissatisfaction and sukha encompasses all kinds of happiness. Uh, so, in this case, uh, the thing that's uh, interesting about this is that uh, Taken at one level, you could uh, make the mistake of thinking that the sutta is saying that um, the um, our tendency towards suffering or happiness or equanimity is something that is residing in the object and not residing in the person. It sort of sounds that way when it says one explores an object conducive of of um, joy, grief, or equanimity. Um, but we, we know that um, it is uh, true that in the commonplace of the world um, there are uh, phenomena that are um, inherently either joyful or unhappy or neutral. Uh, especially to a person who doesn't have training in the, in the Dhamma. So if you um, uh, see um, something uh, that's uh, immoral, um, for most of us that would be, that would arouse uh, disgust and kind of repulsion, and so that would then be an un- unpleasant object as uh, seeing an immoral action. Or if we uh, uh, see a virtuous uh, or an act of outstanding uh, kindness, generosity, or heroism, or something like that, that there's, you could say that that is uh, naturally pleasant. Uh, if we... Uh, um, uh, however, it's also true that within 
the inherently unpleasant object, there's an aspect to it which is the opposite, which which is is pleasant. So you could say uh, you see something happening that's immoral, but if you're wise, you might be able to see, look further, look more deeply, and see well, the person meant well. They're just being unskillful. Or you could look more deeply and say, well, this is um, um, the working off of some karma. Uh, or you could look at it uh, more deeply and, and see uh, this is impermanent. And as a result of looking more deeply, one might not be overtaken by feeling the unpleasant or repulsive aspect of it, or see it in a much more kind of like a neutral way. Or if you uh, see, you know, something that's um, pleasant, if you see a delicious cake or something, um, that could be uh, pleasant, but on the other hand you might see the danger in that, and so you can find the unpleasant within the pleasant, and the pleasant within the unpleasant, and the neutral within both. Uh, so then, uh, it could be that uh, uh, what this uh, our sutta is pointing to is uh, there will be a, a tendency of the individual uh, to find pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral objects according to that individual's underlying tendencies. So a person who has an aversive type of uh, temperament uh, or who has some uh, particular uh, history uh, could have a very strong tendency to uh, notice negative things, to notice unpleasant things. Um, and then a different person uh, who's a uh, very uh, sensual person could have a tendency to uh, um, notice uh, beautiful things. Uh, and uh, we see that uh, uh, people who are developed in the Dhamma, who have greater uh, wisdom, uh, do seem to expand the sphere of equanimity so the uh, liking and disliking habits of the mind, uh, the underlying tendencies to like and dislike, uh, become more and more attenuated. And uh, the person would uh, 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 perhaps uh, see uh, many more objects that are supportive of equanimity. Um, likewise, uh, one of the practices of mindfulness that I, I love very much is to um, um, just think in advance that um, the mind has a natural tendency to uh, over-focus on things that are either pleasant or unpleasant and to ignore things that are uh, uh, neutral. Uh, but if one uh, tries to give an equal amount of attention to each moment as it goes by, then it makes the neutral things become much more bright and the things that are um, pleasant or unpleasant sort of shrink in, in their importance and become more uh, proportionate to their real significance, um, which is just a smaller part of the whole picture. Uh,
it seems to me that uh, in a meditation retreat we uh, have a, a setting which is um, meant to be rather neutral and there's a chance to uh, take more time exploring neutral objects and it, it has um, occurred to me that um, uh, one could do a kind of like a sensory awareness uh, day uh, as part of this sutta and just um, go outside and um, just like look at the sky and explore what the sky looks like or touch the ground and explore how the ground feels or um, uh, smell the compost or something the flowers of the flowers and notice what smells exist in nature uh, noticing um, the weight of a heavy rock or noticing the um, uh, stiffness of a tree noticing the softness of the grass uh, things in nature uh, do have um, a tendency towards being uh, neutral in the sense that um, most people don't think that they're the owners of nature and because we don't make this uh, mistake of uh, self-centered or conceited kind of uh, identification with nature but instead seeing that the nature is like bigger than us and that it's impersonal that then we um, because of the impersonality it, the like and dislike mechanism doesn't have to get activated so much and even exploring something uh, that's uh, neutral one can uh, uh, discover the ways in which the mind uh, creates formations are the ways in which the mind uh, proliferates uh, which can be more or less uh, safe or more or less dangerous um, uh, so that uh, uh, for example uh, those of you who are visiting this monastery uh, might have the delightful uh, opportunity to just kind of notice things without feeling a strong urgency that you have to fix everything that's broken or straighten up everything that's crooked or, or to um, you know, look around and, and see a lot of um, yeah, things that are um, imperfect or that are calling out for some kind of change uh, but instead um, uh, when it's, you know like it's not your monastery you can um, just look at it and just accept it just as it is and just notice it and be with it just the way it is and then 
uh, for us we have to make a who live here we have to make an extra effort to um, retrain the mind to uh, always remind us and remember it's not our monastery and so that we're able to also just be present uh, with this our monastery um, just the way it is right now um, It does seem to me that for an um, uninstructed, untutored person who hasn't thought about um, the Dhamma or hasn't um, gotten interested in psychology or philosophy or religion or something like that, if they're experiencing the world in, an, in a naive kind of way, they would just be experiencing chairs and uh, robins and people with names and personalities and, and uh, they would be experiencing a lot of, of things. Um, to which they've got uh, different kinds of uh, relationships that, that have to do with um, one's, own, one's own welfare. And uh, this uh, special training we have um, by stepping away from the thinginess of things and looking at them in more abstract um, uh, characteristics is a way to uh, help us to um, uh, step away from that uh, uh, naive and uh, deluded um, way of looking at objects, um, uh, particularly um, in terms of um, identification or whether the things are um, something that would uh, inspire our craving or our aversion. But instead, just uh, seeing as a phenomenon uh, that we have, in a way, this kind of a freedom towards a phenomenon. If you say, like, uh, um, just noticing um, uh, that um, that you know, the breath is a tactile uh, sensation and the um, pressure of the um, seat on the cushion is a tactile sensation. And um, if you uh, feel uh, uh, warm or you feel cold, that's a tactile sensation. And it, it takes you far away from um, becoming uh, swept up in like a dislike. It just keeps you in a, in a very cool and uh, sort of a objective way of having the experience. And when the we uh, uh, notice that we've uh, fallen off of our meditation object and the mind has started to drift away in any way, any way, shape, or form. Uh, every time the mind has uh, drifted away, it's invariably because there was something that we liked or something that we didn't like, or something that um, uh, was uh, uh, calling for... Uh, um, some kind of change or some kind of action to make reality different than what it is. Um, and so then uh, we have the opportunity, even when 
even with the experience of falling off of our meditation, we have the opportunity to note that in a very cool, objective way as being a phenomenon. So one of the phenomena is that there are objects that are uh, supportive of joy, objects that are supportive of, of grief. And so if, uh, uh, you know, something come up in memory that was unpleasant and uh, you started drifting into some um, a thought cluster around or an unpleasant experience, you can just pick up that whole phenomenon and just see it so clearly. It's just what it is. Just how, that's how that's how the mind works. That's how part of part of how we experience and how we cognize um, our our a reality of the world. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't want to go any further than this into the elements because I, I think it's a, a, a very um, worthwhile to uh, take a bit more time uh, to notice uh, what's, how we experience the reality that we're in right now by way of senses and uh, noticing um, what the color is in terms of um, the world coming to us as being either pleasant or unpleasant or uh, supportive to uh, mental pleasure to uh, mental displeasure or supportive to equanimity. Um, that's a kind of that's just a, a baseline for the practice, and it's a, a really good. Uh, um, barometer to be able to know whether or not we're um, uh, being successful in staying in the meditation uh, to help to uh, stabilize and um, uh, strengthen um, our, um, our meditation. So this is all I have for you tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.